Hi, I'm Dan Fermat, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Walmart. Today's Wednesday, January 6th. Stocks are up, American democracy is down, and we're focused on the coronavirus vaccine rollout. We're now three weeks into America's vaccination effort, and it's going maddeningly slowly. The official plan from Operation Warp Speed was for 20 million Americans to receive their first dose of either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine by the end of December. But we're now a week into January, and the total number is just around 5 million. In fact, not even 20 million doses have been distributed to the states, let alone stuck into American arms. To be clear, this isn't really about supply or manufacturing. Former FDA commissioner and current Pfizer board member Scott Gottlieb told CBS recently, that 40 million doses have been delivered, which means most of them are just sitting in storage facilities. Instead, it seems the problem is really one of responsibility or a lack thereof. The federal government kind of kicked the can to the states. Many of the states then kicked it to municipalities, and some of those municipalities gave vaccination responsibilities to individual health care and nursing home operators. Inadequate accountability, inadequate planning, inadequate resources, inadequate vaccinations. All the while, record hospitalizations and deaths, with much of the country's economic and educational engine stuck in neutral. So we want to go deeper into what's gone wrong and how it can be fixed with Helen Branswell, a senior writer with Stat News. But first, this. We're joined now by Helen Branswell, a senior writer at Stat News. So Helen, can I just start with it seems that so many of the problems with the vaccination rollout that we've been hearing about over the last couple of weeks seem to be, from the outside at least, just poor planning, like questions being asked today that you would have thought would have been asked in September or October. Am I wrong? I think you're correct. I think that, you know, Operation Warp Speed seemed to not understand the logistics of the last mile. You know, there was a lot of planning done on how to get vaccines made even before they were authorized for use and how to get them from manufacturers to the states. But not much work done on the last mile part and no money or very little money for that. The money piece, how important is that? And kind of how big a piece of the pie do you believe that is? I think it's critical. I mean, you know, the people at the... <laughs> at the delivery end of this project have been screaming for months that they needed money to to do the work that they are now trying to do, you know, as they're effectively now trying to sort of build the boat and sail it at the same time. You know, they needed money to hire additional people to do vaccinations. They needed money to do advertising in their local areas to tell people when to come and, you know, where to come and that kind of thing. And that money just has not been forthcoming. And that is, you know, really contributing at this point to the slowdown of, of the rollout. There is money in the new stimulus that got passed a couple of weeks ago. From your perspective, adequate amount of money, obviously delayed, you know, doesn't move immediately, but adequate that, you know, if we're having this conversation a month from now, financial resource is no longer considered a major stumbling block? I think so. I mean, it's sort of in line with what they were at the, you know, the states and other players at the delivery end had been asking for. So I think probably I might be a little bit shy of what they were asking for. But the thing is, it still really hasn't started to flow yet. I think it will begin soon. But, you know, this money should have been in place before now. Obviously, as you say, the last mile delivery bottlenecks. 
how much of the issue is the data reporting a piece of this? There seems to be two schools of thought, one that it's bottlenecks, one that there's data reporting and just the that part's gone slowly in part because of Christmas, New Year's. Is the number we're getting, do you think, artificially low just because of the, the slowness of the data or not? I think it's always going to be a bit behind, but I do not think that they have managed to vaccinate a whole bunch more people than we're seeing right now. It is quite slow, the rollout. You know, with the rollout, you talked about kind of the last mile piece. Right now, we're talking primarily about, you know, vaccinating healthcare workers and nursing home residents, which are fairly localized groups, right? You know, these are the people who work in the hospital. These are the people in the nursing home. It's not everybody in every neighborhood. How discouraging or maybe not discouraging is this experience when you think about the prospect in several months of general vaccination? Should we be panicked? Because if they can't do this, how are they going to do that? I wouldn't say we should be panicked, but it is a bit unsettling. I mean, I think it's completely true that the beginning of a program this large was going to be rocky and going to be slower than anybody liked. I think, and don't forget, they're starting this with the two hardest to administer vaccines that are expected to be coming down the pipe. I mean, the Pfizer vaccine has to be kept at minus 70 Celsius. The Moderna is, is minus 20 Celsius, which is easier, but these are new vaccines. No one's ever used mRNA vaccines before in the general public. And their cold chain requirements adds a layer of complexity to this. So it's always going to be difficult. But, you know, your point is well taken. The thing about right now is we're in phase 1A, uh, seniors living in nursing facilities and healthcare workers. You know where those people are. This should be the easiest part of the vaccination program. What becomes difficult is later down the road when you're trying to find essential workers, frontline essential workers versus, you know, other essential workers, people who have a couple of um, health conditions that make them at higher risk, you know, knowing at that point who those people are and how to get them to the right place and distinguishing them from other people who might want to cut into the line, that's not going to be easy. Is there anywhere you've seen, West Virginia's come up a couple of times, basically a state that is doing a particularly good job? And if so, what are they doing that other states aren't? Well, well interestingly, one of the things that West Virginia did was they didn't sign up for the CVS Walgreen uh, program to vaccinate their seniors. They decided to vaccinate their seniors themselves. And they've done it, I think. They've done a really quick job. Meanwhile, you know, the CVS Walgreen program has been slow to uh, ramp up. And as you've probably heard, a bunch of the early vaccine that went out had to be set aside for that program, even though the companies had said, you know, it's going to take us two weeks from, you know, the point where we're told we can start to vaccinate to when we're going to be able to start vaccinating. Meanwhile, that vaccine had to be ready for them when they could start. So it was sitting in a fridge. West Virginia didn't wait. They just did it. Obviously, you talked about how the two that are out right now here in the U.S. are some of the hardest to administer because some of the, the cold chain supply chain issues. Also, there are also multiple dose uh, vaccines as opposed to, in theory, the J&J &J one, if that ever gets FDA approval and comes out. One thing we don't know about any of these vaccines, nor do Pfizer or Moderna, is how long they are effective for. We just don't know because we haven't had long enough. Is it reasonable to think that America should at least be thinking about setting up kind of a permanent infrastructure? You know, I think people are hopeful that the vaccines will last longer than that. They probably won't last a lifetime, but I don't know that people think that they'll be as transient as a year. Now, it's possible if, if the virus evolves a lot, 
then they might have to be tweaked and, you know, that might lead to the need for, for additional boosters. At a point, you know, you may get to a system where people start looking at a joint COVID flu vaccine. I mean, I know of a group that is working on that idea. It's not far down the road and it's not clear that that will be needed. But if you need to be boosted regularly, I mean, that's an approach people might look at. Final question for you. What is the number or metric or maybe more qualitative thing that you're looking at over the next couple of weeks to see if this process is working better? Um, a ramping up of how much vaccine is going out and a narrowing of the difference between how much is out there and how much has been administered, particularly in the long-term nursing facility type situation. You know, there's quite a big gap between how much of that vaccine is being set aside for that program and how much of it's been administered. It'd be nice to see that start to close because obviously those are people who are really, really vulnerable and, you know, you want to get them protected. Helen Branswell of Stat News, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is the increasingly tense situation in Congress where a large group of Republican House members and senators are opposing certification of Joe Biden as the country's next president. We wanted to speak to one of our Axios colleagues on Capitol Hill, but she's basically been put on lockdown, telling us that she was in the chamber when members bolted the door and watched Capitol Police draw their guns and point at that door. Why? Because groups of Trump supporters who had been at a rally earlier in the day where the president spoke have begun clashing inside the building with police. Our hope, of course, is that everyone will come to their senses. What we know is that at some point, some point hopefully soon, Biden will be certified. Trump will blame everyone but himself, and there's now a very good chance the Democrats will control both houses of Congress. It's also worth noting that a lot of American business leaders are pretty pissed off at what's happening today. Yale professor Jeffrey Sonnenfeld yesterday convened a call of big-name CEOs and others in which participants raised the prospect of refusing future donations to senators who vote against certification. As one participant told me, quote, there is real anger at these people that they don't really understand. We all know we need a public-private partnership to get through this pandemic, and these 11 senators are doing something they know is wrong, which hurts those efforts for purely personal reasons, end quote. Today, we're also watching the New York Stock Exchange which today said it will delist three Chinese telecom companies in compliance with a Trump executive order. If that sounds familiar, it's because NICE said last week it would delist the companies. Then on Monday, it changed its mind. Today, it changed its mind again. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great national shortbread day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. <laughs>